Hi, David. How are you? Hello. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. So, um, David, I would like to share a bit more about GAPA with you as you showed some interest to learn more about it. Um, yeah, I'd love to learn more. Yeah. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I said, yeah, I'd love to learn more. Um, yeah, so GAPER is all about having different software engineers globally. And uh, we get their CVs, resumes, we conduct interviews and give them this, um, a test to them that they have to pass, right? And um, if suppose a hundred or so um, enter, one or two only make it through. So we sort of boast the top 1% of software engineers and we provide them with projects um, that come in through us from the United States. Uh, we are also engaging Europe and European countries, uh, sorry, uh, companies, right? So that's the whole idea behind GAPER and getting, uh, being a liaison between the American companies and especially startups and um, software engineers that are working remotely on different projects to begin with. Okay, so it's a similar model to, there's like some accounting firms doing something similar, trying to kind of get to the top 1% or Precisely. even reviewing like the boards on Upwork or whatever for the top performers. Precisely, yeah. but we have a more rigorous uh, vetting process. Right, As okay. Yeah. For, for us, quality is everything. Yeah. Um, and Along with quality, we want to also give good rates to companies um, that are just starting off, just taking off and have limited budgets. So it's kind of a win-win situation for startups, especially in the New York ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Right, because rates in New York would be very high, right? Exactly. Um, knowing that startups may not be able to um, gain traction initially, we are right there. I mean, we found that niche to give a sort of boost to New, uh, New York companies. Okay. Um, hence, we have been engaging with different startups, with co-founders, with founders, with venture capitalists, um, with people already in the industry and hailing from different, um, in, um, you know, backgrounds. Having said that, uh, I would probably even convert this into a podcast where I take your insights about remote employment, uh, while also engaging you in spreading the word about GAPER among the people that, you know, you know, and your network. Okay. So if, um, can we just organically go into a sort of um, interview? Um, I'll ask you a few questions. You can give me your insights about them. And if you would want to share something else beyond that. 
But before we go there, let's talk just a little bit more about you know, how we might work together or whatnot. Sure. So it's been uh, it's been almost a month since we first engaged, I guess, and you joined the group, right? You joined the LinkedIn group, but not the community site, or did you also enjoy uh, join EntrepreneursNet.net? I think I just joined in on LinkedIn. Let me okay. recheck. Yeah, I could probably check it too. I just haven't uh, gone back to look to see if you were part of both. I think I am at least part of the LinkedIn group. Uh... Yeah, for sure. Part of LinkedIn. That's that's how we connected. So LinkedIn sends me a message every time someone joins and then I have to approve the application. Right. So I approved your application and then I sent you a note. Indeed. Yes. September 5th. Yes. Here we are. So um, about the entrepreneur um, network, what exactly did you have in mind when you started off with this place? Because it seems yep. to be quite a global network. Yep, so I personally am passionate about entrepreneurship and I love every aspect. I think it takes so many skill sets to succeed at entrepreneurship. Right. You know, someone has to be good at, uh, you know, people skills. They have to be good at financial management. They have to be good at managing folks as well. True, true. They have to be able to attract new business, uh, potentially new capital, depending upon if they're scalable. So mm -hmm. I've had a long time passion around entrepreneurship. And uh, so I started the group to help support entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and it, grew to 50 members and then 100 members. And I did specific things to help it grow along the way, especially early days. And then by last year, it was over 40,000 members. And I realized that LinkedIn, while it's a great platform for many things, mm -hmm. it was really not great for truly engaging people. Like today, you're talking about like, hey, you know, how can you help us get business, right? Mm -hmm. LinkedIn isn't a great platform. It, it's fine if you want to reach out to one-on-one to folks, but it's not a great platform to really help people understand your business in a meaningful way and all of those things. So Indeed. I surveyed members and they told me what they wanted to do. They wanted to meet in a more meaningful way uh, than just a like on a post or something like that. So we built entrepreneursnet.net. Uh, mm -hmm. Really beginning of this year, we started testing some things. And then in April, we decided to build a website we went live in May, and we've grown that fairly quickly. It's growing by about 125 members a month. Uh, so a pretty uh, fairly new venture, but still it has gained quite a lot of traction in just a few months, as you that's say. Right. That's right. And it's because it's tied in with the LinkedIn group, which I also started. So the LinkedIn group grows by about 500 members a month at this point. Mm -hmm. the, website grows by about 125. When I sent you a note at the beginning of September, it looks like it had about 500 members. Now we're approaching 650. Right. That's... And it's really the group that's better geared for helping you get the word out. Like LinkedIn, you can post something, you know, it's free to post on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. uh, but you'll probably end up with maybe one or two likes if you're lucky and if it's an advertisement maybe not that many mm -hmm. right right so if you're adding good content people are open to looking at linkedin but 
you know, again, limited responses. Whereas with our group Entrepreneurs Net, it's a much more engaging platform. People are leading webinars, they're writing articles, they're, you know, they're uh, watching the webinars and that are pre-recorded. And then they're doing lots of things to interact with one another. Like we have Peer Connect, we have Lead Connect and Mentor Connect, all group meetings where people can get to know one another. Right. So that, that sort of gives a more, um, a boost from your peers rather than any outside um, support system. You become a support system in and of yourself. Yeah, so if you think about like traditional models, like how often do you watch an ad, right? Ads pop up all the time and they say you can skip the ad in three seconds. Yeah. I don't know when I've watched the whole ad. <laughs> you know? we, we don't have the time to do that. <laughs> exactly. And that's how advertising is, right? People just aren't interested. They aren't that interested in learning what you have to say if you're just throwing ads at them. So the entrepreneursnet.net is really about getting to know people. So um, let's see about entrepreneursnet.net. Um, how did you are the growth of the website? Was it organic because of your presence on LinkedIn and you sort of attract people from there? Or are yeah, they... I haven't advertised either site. We're not really advertising. Right. So, but I mean, it's yeah, we may have an ad running just to boost so that Google finds us. Because uh -huh. what I found in the past is that when you do pay-per-click ads, Google's giving you more messages on how to optimize your site because they want it to do well. And uh, so we do a little bit of that, but it's really, it's organic growth on both both platforms. That's, that's um, I mean, that's a working model that uh, plenty of entrepreneurs would definitely want for themselves. Uh, all sure. right, so having said that, uh, where do you think is um, entrepreneur.net uh, going with the current ecosystem of startups, whether it is, uh, you know, subject to the United States or globally, what sort of interaction and co-learning do these members have? Yeah, so it is a global platform. Uh, mm -hmm. We have about half the members are in the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly why that is other than that, you know, I personally am in the United States. I have more connections and people see more of the things I post. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, I think the United States has a pretty robust uh, entrepreneurial kind of culture as well as environment that supports it. So right. I think that's probably why we have, you know, half or more. And, uh, but we have a lot of people from all over. We have people in India as our number two country. And again, I think uh, India has a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Uh, the UK, Australia, Canada, all English speaking countries, uh, other than India is not predominantly, but from a business perspective, it's heavily English speaking. Mm -hmm. So I think that also makes a difference on where people come from. And where do I see it going? I think the, you know, personally, again, I love what we're doing with entrepreneursnet.net. I'm a little biased, of course, 
but I love what we're doing because it's really, it's by founders for founders where founders meet one another and learn from one another. And it just, it seems like a model that really works. All right. So, um, what was your idea behind setting this up first on LinkedIn and then moving on to a website? Secondly, what were the sort of um, the events or whatever ideas you get um, running this particular group, so to speak? Is it, um, do the ideas grow organically as well? Like, you know, uh, today you think, okay, I'll try this particular project with my entrepreneurial group. Tomorrow you have something that leads on from your first idea and so on and so forth. Yeah, so the idea was I saw again, the LinkedIn group was growing fast and I set a personal aspiration to make a meaningful difference for 100,000 entrepreneurs by May 2024. So we will reach the 100,000 entrepreneurs by May 2024. So that's not really the challenge. Mm -hmm. The challenge is how to make a meaningful difference. Yeah. And LinkedIn will reach the 100,000, but how do we make sure that we're engaging in such a way that we're helping entrepreneurs succeed to overcome challenges that they're facing? So that was the intention of entrepreneursnet.net was to build a platform that truly helps people succeed. We have a freemium model where people can join for free, mm -hmm. but then as they want other services or whatnot, we can charge. I really wanted it to be accessible to everyone throughout the world, whether they're a student in India that's starting their first business and they have no financial resources. I wanted them to be able to benefit from this platform alongside someone who might be a you know, a billionaire venture capitalist in New York, right? I wanted both to be able to benefit. And so that's why we set up a freemium model. But uh, as people have needs and wants, like actually, you know, your company you talked about, right? You want to reach entrepreneurs and you have right. a business. Right. right. So it makes sense for the model to be that you're paying to attract customers. Whereas the student who's just trying to get ideas of how do I start, it's free for them. And it could be free for you, but then, you know, you aren't going to accomplish the things you're looking for on growing your network of entrepreneurs. And so that's really the model we've built is a right. model where, you know, we have sponsors now who are sponsoring uh, the platform. They're sponsoring interviews with entrepreneurs. They're interviewing their clients maybe to help promote them. So we have a pretty robust system at this point. Uh, right. So about, um, I feel as if this too is a sort of a liaison uh, platform between two differing ends of entrepreneurship. The needs and the wants are kind of coexisting on your platform. That's true. Interesting. Um, all right. So what about, um, do your entrepreneurs... Uh, that are on a global level right now, uh, how do they interact in the sense that um, the articles, the um, events that happen, what sort of, how does, in your opinion, remote working play into this whole setup? Because I'm pretty sure 
um, running this particular website is not going to be strictly office based. And anyone who is using your uh, particular website, whether it's a venture capitalist, whether it's a startup, whether it's a, uh, whether it's an established business, all these sort of uh, dots, how do you see them as being in a sort of work environment, trying to, you know, connect it to my topic of the day, so to speak, um, in terms of encouraging or substantiating or supporting remote work globally? Yeah, you're right. I mean, remote work is increasingly present. Uh, a matter of fact, actually, I love the fact that we really have a flat world today. I can talk to someone in the Philippines at 4 a.m., you know, my time. At 8 a.m., I'm talking to someone in India. You know, at 9 o'clock, I'm talking to someone in Russia or the United States. And so we are a flat world. The internet makes it really easy to communicate with anyone all over the world. Right? Exactly. So I have our designers. I have one in Macedonia and one in uh, Colombia, South America. You know, I have my primary development uh, person who's also kind of a co-founder, at least founding team member, is in South India. So you're absolutely right that today remote working is just the way it is. And even in the United States, when I hire people, uh, very seldom is it really local. Uh, it is some. I do have some local folks that work with me. But, you know, many times it's someone in Florida or Utah, and I'm in central Michigan, and I've even relocated in the last few months because it doesn't really matter where I am. So I decided I'd rather sit and look at a lake than suburbia. Right. So I'm now sitting on a lake as we speak, and it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. And really super happy that I made that change. So work location is no longer the prominent issue, right? And it's mm -hmm. easy to include people all over the world. There's platforms such as yours. There's other platforms out there. I won't name them since, uh, since this is really about you and your platform. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's lots of ways to engage people from all over the world. And I love that you can see their rating and see how they performed. And you have a track record, right, to call upon. And, you know, you have reviews and all of those things, which are really, really meaningful mm -hmm. when you look to engage with someone. Um, so um, coming back again to you trying and connecting an entrepreneur, entrepreneursnet.net, um, do you think that you would want to promote the idea of remote working again organically on your website? As in, you know, encourage those who are coming in as members and giving them a support system and or giving them workshops and or material that encourages and teaches them more about this way of working. So I think you're right. I would uh, maybe slightly phrase it a little differently, but uh -huh. we aren't really trying to get someone to do something. So when you say encouraging, it almost implies that we're trying to get them to do that. I think it's mm -hmm. more the second part of what you said, the organic. Mm -hmm. right? People know that the best resource may not be, you know, on the next block over. The best resource may be 5,000 miles away, right? Right. So that's the idea that it naturally occurs. Now, we do provide tools, webinars, interviews with people so that they can kind of understand what's available out there. 
So we're not trying to kind of encourage people to do any one thing. Like we're not pushing people, you know, whatever they do, whatever lights them up is what we want to support. So it's really more a supportive environment rather than an encouraging people to do something. Uh, now we can support it. And I think that makes sense because we know there's demand out there. Mm -hmm. Right. So obviously, um, what would you want to add to the whole concept of remote working? And where would you, as a remote worker yourself, want to see uh, development with regards to rem remote working, um, whether you see any pros or cons of either sort of working environment, whether it's remote or the traditional way of working? So what came to my mind as you asked that is maybe a little different than where you were thinking about it going, but years ago, right? So the idea of remote working isn't really a new concept in the last few years, but 15 years ago, I think it was, one of my good friends uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, mm -hmm. started leading a group at Bank of America that was working with their workforce on remote working because they believed that it was good for the corporation as well as good for the employees. But one of the interesting things they found, this has stuck with me, I thought it was really, really interesting, when they marketed it towards women as a way to kind of stay at home with the kids and all of that, the usage was really, really low. Oh. When they marketed it towards men, both men and women signed up. And the reason for it, what they found the reason was, is because if you marketed it towards women, then people thought it was like a secondary thing. Like it might be a career impediment, but yes, you could be at home with the kids, but the dad could be at home with the kids too, right? Mm -hmm. So when you market it to the, the man, because we have these discriminations in our society, which we should not have, right? Uh, you know, there's a perception of, oh, you know what, if that's only for women, then they might not be treated as equally as if it's marketed towards man. It's probably right? misunderstood if um, they're trying to, um, for lack of a better word, it sounds misogynistic if you cater women with this particular idea and they are more averse to it. But once you sort of open up the gates towards men as well, then the idea becomes a little more attractive to everybody concerned. That's right, because everyone sees that it's not just like this is an alternative, you know, secondary career path. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a secondary career path, right? It's equally viable for everyone. doesn't matter who they are, where they are in the world, right? It's equally viable. So I, what I like about what you're talking about with your platform is get the best people to do it no matter where they are, right? That's what we all want, right? The best team members. It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman or if they're someone of color or not. It doesn't matter. Or their socioeconomic background doesn't matter. Uh, when I work with some folks in India, sometimes it's which caste are they in plays a role, right? That shouldn't play a role. Indeed. It's how good are they? How good Indeed. are they? What's their potential, right? It's, it's about getting the work done and done right and done in a certain budget. That's right. But there and are some challenges with remote working, I should mention, which is, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, that's, that's what I wanted to get to as well about the challenges the threats that come with uh, the sort of working environment? Yeah, so I think one of the things is managing can be a little different. So you really have to 
build up uh, credibility and trust with the team. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, I'll, I'll mention Sam that I work with in India, right? He, he's amazing, awesome, love working with him. But we didn't jump right into a full-time relationship. He actually proved to me his integrity. He was generous on not charging hours when I knew he was working more than what he said. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I built up really high confidence in what he was doing and how he was doing it. So I have no problems with him working whatever hours he works because I know he's working more than enough hours, right? Mm -hmm. So there's trust from me and he knows in return that I've been generous with him. So when I could have offered him a very low rate that would be expected from you know, someone right out of college in India, mm -hmm. instead I offered him probably three times that rate. Right. So he ended up with a decent rate. You know, this was initially when we were working together, you know, a really good rate. And in return, he didn't charge me many hours. So it ended up being a very, very trusting relationship. And that's important. I think more so in a remote environment than in a physical world environment. Mm -hmm. uh, like I work with people, like there's someone working here today, right? Uh, working on some construction things around my house. Right. And I don't have the same confidence, wonderful person, but it's different, you know, when, when you see someone show up and you need to see them show up or else, you know, the, the confidence isn't there. I should have right. gone there maybe. Of course. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, right? Of so course. when you build a trusting relationship, it's important. And so I think remote, you, kind of both sides have to be more generous to start. And that really builds generosity, right? It builds the right working relationship when both people are coming at it from the right spot. Uh, the confidence can be there. Whereas, like, I know I hire folks remotely, I should say, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, they, they have a low rate, but they're charging 20 hours a week. And it's like, wow, this really doesn't feel like 20 hours a week of work that's being done. Yeah. But the rate's low. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's all right. So I think there's a real issue there that needs to ultimately be addressed somehow. And I know that some websites that offer remote working have like time tracking and I find those are interesting. They're probably a, a good start on the tool, but I also find that they aren't really completely reliable. I believe some of the folks have multiple computers set up, you know, and they occasionally do hit a keystroke. You can just kind of tell that they're basically hitting almost no keystrokes, but charging hours. Yeah. So I think those become challenges for remote working, a big challenge. So how do you think technology is going to, um, develop to cater to this particular way of um, distrust, so to speak? So I think there, there are keystroke tracking programs, right? And so you can kind of track what people are doing and what the productivity is. Uh, I, I also think kind of another way that I sometimes work with it is I give a couple people a similar assignment. Right. And just see what they can do. And that isn't always the trust factor. It's just the skills and capability. So for instance, I don't know, in the last year we were building a new website and I wanted to get some SEO work done. Mm -hmm. And the rates were really, really, really cheap on the website where I went to find remote workers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? This is probably a few hour assignment. Let me give everyone the same assignment. I'll pay whatever, you know, 20 bucks per person you know, try five people out, it's a hundred bucks, easy mm -hmm. budget, right? And mm -hmm. see who does what. 
And then a number of people said, hey, I'll work for free on that. Give me a chance and I'll prove what I can do. And then at the end of the day, I actually had a chance to look at all the people who submitted work on the quality of the outcome. So I don't know if technology helps uh, from a perspective of that was really kind of a non-technology play, although I was able to find people. But then within those, I was able to see who produced. And you know, actually one of the free people was not very good. And so they had offered up their time for free. Someone else who was more expensive was good. So it wasn't really all about the rate. It was about the quality of outcome. Right. So I think it's just something to kind of be aware of. And I'm sure technology can play a role over time in that. Mm -hmm. I think the rating system is an important part of the technology. You know, as people get ratings, you know, over time and they've done a lot of work, you have a sense for whether or not they perform consistently. Right. So it's all about gauging uh, outcome rather than what they are being paid for, uh, what, right. what, the, what the payout is. All right. So, um, David, I think um, we will um, end here. And it's been extremely interesting speaking about um, uh, entrepreneursnet.net and remote working with you. I really feel that Gaper can gain a lot with getting you on board with us. So I'll definitely go back to uh, my reporting boss and try and engage um, the two of you and see where this goes. Yeah, encourage uh, Gaper to become a sponsor. If you become a sponsor of entrepreneursnet.net, mm -hmm. there's really a lot of things that we can do to help promote your business without right. doing traditional ads that we talked about that nobody watches anyway. Right? Exactly. You and that's get good content out there, yeah. That is exactly yeah. what we are looking for. Something that um, is not in your face, but something that's just, you know, organically liked and taken in and accepted without being blustered in the face, you know. That's right. It's kind of the newer way of working, right? Where Indeed. people see that you can add value. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's where Gaper comes in of adding value. And I think that's where your group comes in of adding value to words the entrepreneurial group and globally. Yep. All right, Emma. It was good talking with you. Likewise. Take care. Have a good morning. Good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.